Good evening, everyone. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Hello, hello, hello. How are you guys doing? How are you guys feeling? How was your week? Were you a server this week? Or did you get served this week? I had um, someone tell me that. They said... They said they are a server. Always have been a server. And I saw that word and I thought... I get that. I get that. Like, we're, we're always the servers. We're always the ones who want to make other people happy. We want to do what people want us to do. And then we, um, you know, we sometimes lose ourselves. And the fact that our mental health and our, our checking in on ourselves is so important and relevant to what's going on in the world today. But trying to be perfect and trying to be everything to everyone, I just don't have... I don't have enough to give. I don't have enough to give. I wish I could do all the things that during the week people, you know, may ask for monetary, for food, or for, you know, it's the world right now is so... I don't know, it's so broken. And as someone who's empathic and can feel the empathy and the tone of the world, it's so filled with prejudices and hate. And here on Palma One Radio, on my podcast, Faith Ignited, which is what you're listening to in this very moment. Faith ignited. I want us to reignite our faith. Reignite our faith. And I spoke to someone today and they... Actually a very close person in our family. And this person said... I don't believe in the afterlife. Like, I don't believe that, I don't believe in a lot of, of that stuff. And that's okay because God will reveal miracles to them little by little. They'll, they'll start to see and know and love God. So, um, 
I just know that this pastor once said, you know, if you don't want to know God, that's okay. There's a place for you to go when you die where you'll never have to hear of God's name or Jesus' name again. And I hurt for the people who are feeling that way. I hurt for the people who are hurting in this world. I hurt for people when I see them struggle financially. I hurt for people when I want to help and I can't. I hurt for people. And I know you guys too. You guys do too. We have always, I like that. We are servers of whatever it is that we're doing. But serve somebody. Serve somebody. I guarantee you it feels much better to give than it does to receive. Amen on that. And I don't want this podcast to turn into a uh, religious podcast. It's uh, open to all denominations. It's open to believers and non-believers alike. And I'm hoping by narrating some of these stories for you guys that you guys can better comprehend the hope and the faith that I have because I've seen miracles happen right before my eyes. I've seen miracles happen. And um, and I, I hope to sway your thought process there's a great movie out right now um it's about the after i think it's called afterlife great great movie i think i've talked about it here on the show before but after death after death i think it is and this movie is so thought-provoking that even this person who was such a skeptic said that that movie gave her food for thought, that that movie gave her a whole different perspective. And that's what I'm trying to do here on Palma, is just bring a different perspective to the table, bring something like this to the table, something where we can calmly just sit and talk and relax and sip on your wine or sip on your water, sip on your juice, sip on your tea, sip on whatever it is, but get snuggled up somewhere, get comfy and cozy, wrapped up in a big, warm, blanket that feels like a big hug around your body 
as you slowly close your eyes and drift into what I'm about to narrate. And I'm hoping that this will bring hope to some of you, some of you right now who need a little hope in your lives. I'm hoping this story reminds us all to have hope. Let me get to that story right now. This story, which will be narrated by me, um, this story was originally written by Beth Prayed. So Beth, if you're out there, thank you for this article. And thank you for sharing your experience so that we could all read about it and learn about it and know about it. This is Beth's story. My near-death experience occurred when I was nine years old. Just a few days after my May birthday party, I became very ill with extremely high fever. I was placed in the hospital, but the experts could not figure out what was going on. For over a week, I drifted in and out of consciousness. The hospital told my parents that I might die because religion was still allowed in school in those days. My classmates were told to pray for me. During a very lucid moment, I said a prayer to God and I told him, I'm too sick. I am ready to die now. And I lost consciousness again. Then I had an extremely bad pain in my left, in my chest. If it would have lasted longer, it would have, I would have screamed, but then it was gone just like that. I felt wonderful. I was surrounded by a golden light and I realized how very easy it was to breathe there. After basking in that glow, my room began to fade into a view where I was still laying in my bed, but in the upper right corner of the ceiling, a bright light appeared. It was very small, 
but began to grow larger and larger. As the light got closer, I could see that it was a man walking towards me. Finally, after what seemed a long time, he arrived. He was wearing a brown robe and was floating in the air. He had brown hair, a beard, and the most incredible eyes that I had ever seen. He smiled at me and I smiled back. Then he spoke to me. Although we didn't speak with our voices, we spoke with our minds. And that seemed absolutely normal. The man said, are you ready to die yet? Immediately I said, oh no, oh no, no, no. Don't you know? I'm still a little girl. I haven't even lived yet. I can't die? No. I then looked away for a minute and thought to myself, that's strange. You said that you were ready to die. I looked back at him and he smiled again. He then said the most incredible thing and something that I would never, ever forget. He said, what have you done with your life? And then there was, and then there's a big part that I can't remember. I've lost a great deal about this. And in my opinion, I think the man showed me some things that I could do for him. If I went back, back into that bed, back to being sick, if I just went back. And then I think that I was given the choice whether or not I wanted to go or stay. A small aside, I think that these things happened to me because I was special. I think of it as being like a grand ceremony when the millionth person 
crosses the bridge. And when this happens, there is a great celebration with balloons and fireworks. And the millionth person gets to meet and gets to meet the head honcho and then gets a prize of some sort. In my case, I was the millionth person over the bridge. Jesus was the celebrity and he was the prize. And the prize was also the choice that he gave me to either live or die. The next thing that I know, the man was halfway gone. I was watching as the light got smaller and smaller. Then after being unconscious for an undetermined amount of time, I was very much awake. I was standing in the middle of my bed and the light in my bathroom seemed so very bright. I immediately reached over, picked up the phone and dialed my mother. She was shocked to hear my voice. Beth, Beth, oh my, are you okay? I was so very excited. Mom, a man has been to see me and he asked me if I was ready to die. Of course, my mother panicked to hear about an intruder and called the hospital. Suddenly, a flood of nurses rushed into my room. They flipped on the lights and began looking around frantically. They wanted to know what this man looked like. I told them and their eyes got big. Then they wanted to know everything, what he had said. I told them that he had asked me if I was ready to die. I then told them his second question was, what have you done with your life? As a child, I didn't understand what was happening, but all of the nurses immediately froze in, in their steps while their eyes began to dart back and forth at each other in a knowing, kind of a way. The nurse then did additional blood work 
and took me for yet another x-ray. The next morning, a new flood of people began to arrive, but this time, a few priests, ministers, and a pair of nuns came to see me. They were all armed with notepads and they wanted to hear all about the man in the brown robe. After a few days, I was allowed to go home. The hospital found that I had a very severe case of pneumonia. I was still an invalid and it took me another three months to fully recover. It was summer and each day my parents would place me in a hammock under a big tree. I think that they thought that the fresh air would do me some good. One interesting fact, before my near-death experience, I had been very afraid of the dark. But as soon as I got home, I wasn't afraid of the dark anymore. I would go upstairs in the darkness. I didn't even need a nightlight. I wasn't even, even afraid of insects either, which was a huge thing. <laughs> About six months later, I went to talk to my mother about my encounter. You know, Mom, I think that I know who the man in the brown robe was, I said. What? My mom asked, very surprised. It was Jesus, I said. I think so, too, she replied. When I tell the story about my near-death experience, people ask about my background. Did you go to church a lot? Did your parents teach you a great deal about the Bible? Actually, I had a pretty normal childhood. We went to church on Sundays, some Sundays we missed. But really, all that I know spiritually was that Jesus was born on Christmas. Wow.
was born on Christmas. And I'm sorry, I lost my place, but here I am. Because she has in parentheses, when I got all those presents and died on Easter, I also knew Noah had a boat with lots of animals and that Adam and Eve were two naked people who loved each other but I didn't really know much more than just the average facts. And it wasn't bright enough to have made up a story like this one. Now at age 59, why does that experience still affect me? I remind myself daily, what have you done with your life? My actions, both large and small, are based on my answer to the question. For everyone who lives, and I believe, I'm sorry, for everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? John eleven twenty six. 26. Wow. What an incredible story that Beth shared. So all of her actions now are based on that one question that Jesus, she felt that Jesus asked her when she was there. You guys, we have proof that it exists. We have proof that we have miracles in our lives. We have proof of all of that. We just need to become more united, be a united front instead of this back and forth that we're doing in this fighting in this war. It's so horrible. So Beth's story was pretty incredible. At nine years old, someone once told me because I said, it was a, a priest, I believe, or a pastor. I said, that person is too young to die. And their reply to me was, nobody is too young to die. Amen. Nobody is too young to die. When we are born, we already are starting our, you know, to fulfill our lives in the way we're supposed to and to uh, listen to our inner voice, be kind to people. You know, I, um, 
went through a phase in my life, you know, I'm going to share with you guys. Um, tonight, we had an interesting call from my sister-in-law, in which we have not spoken in five years. I saw her name come up, and instead of letting it go to voicemail, I had to pick it up for my husband. I had to, I mean, that's his sister. He has to talk to her. He has to maintain a relationship with her, and we hadn't spoken to her in five years. A little bit over five years, maybe. And she randomly, how God works, she randomly sent me a friend request. Well, she did it by accident. And when I accepted her friend request, it was already too late because I, we were already friends. So I say that all to say that we are wasting time bickering with one another. We are wasting time fighting with one another. We're wasting time. If you can be with your families, be with your families. Build on those dreams with your families. But I would love to just, you know, have our daughter back, grandkids, just live a little bit closer, it's very difficult, you know, and um, a lot of things when we get in arguments, we say things that are hurtful, and um, they cut deep, you know what I mean? So forgiveness is doesn't just come from, and I'm sorry, which, you know, that I didn't get that, but but God put it in her heart to call, and she did, and we are so grateful she did. It has been a waste of five years. Don't know anything about my, my husband's sister. How sad, how terribly sad is that? What I wanna do is make sure that you guys know that you're never, ever, 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 ever alone. You are um, sort of protected and uplifted by Christ almost every day. I know some of you who are listening are in chronic pain situations, things like that. I wish that I could take it all away for you guys. This podcast means the world to me and you guys mean so much to me because this is where I get to be who I really am. This is where I get to be authentic. Not that I'm not authentic in other videos. It's just that... Um... I, I say that to say, let's not waste any time 
Time is all we have in this earth to offer people is our time. Um, I know for me, I try to um, make time, you know, every night to make sure my husband knows that, you know, I'm, I'm his wife in the evening, you know, I, I can't always be attached to my phone. I have to do other things. And so to see my sister-in-law call today, um, it was a shock and it was a blessing and it was a small miracle. And speaking of small miracles, um, I have a quick little story here for you. <clears throat> I was driving home from an audition to sing as a church cantor in the local church. The audition went very well and they had hired me on the spot. I felt so blessed. It wasn't far to the highway that would take me home. I had a green arrow indicating that I could make a left turn. So I turned toward the entrance ramp. Then seemingly out of nowhere, a speeding suburban blew through that red light and plowed into my little neon. I saw it coming and there was nothing I could do. Glass shattered around me, the airbags deployed and something heavy pushed against my legs. It was the car's engine. To make matters worse, the engine was in flames. I frantically tried my door only to find it completely caved in. I couldn't budge it. I'm pretty sure I was screaming by then. The police came quite quickly and after one officer put out the flames with the fire extinguisher, the car was still smoldering under the crushed hood. I could smell gasoline from where I was. When the firefighter and the rescue team finally arrived, they couldn't get the front the door open either. Flames began spreading out and under the hood. I was crying now as the firemen scrambled to get something to cut me out. I could see on their faces that things looked so grim. I kept calling for someone to help. My adrenaline had started to wear off 
Now, I was almost certain that my left ankle was broken. A man suddenly appeared at the side of my car. I remember he was very handsome and had a comforting smile. He said, I've got you, sweetheart. Hang on. Before I knew it, he had opened the door effortlessly and helped me out of the burning wreck. Then he let me lean against him and he guided me to the other side of the road out of harm's way. The front end of the car was so engulfed in flames by then. The firemen rushed over with a foam spray to put out the fire, frantic to rescue me from where I was stuck, except I wasn't there anymore. One of the astonished firefighters walked over to where I was standing. The man who helped me had disappeared. So I assumed he had gone back to the vehicle. I asked the firefighter if I could thank the man, if he could thank the man for me. He shook his head and said, lady, there was no man. We went for the jaws of life to get you out of the car only to find you sitting on the curb. Lady, we couldn't even open the door. It's so damaged. The only way to free you would have been to cut you out. I knew I had seen him. The man helped me walk to the curb. I couldn't have done it myself because I couldn't even put any weight on my foot. I argued with the firefighter. The man who had saved me had been there. I held on to him. He was real. He was great. I felt him guiding me out of the car and across the road. I leaned on him when I couldn't walk. And the fireman responded, Trust me, miss. There was no one here. I have no idea how you got out. But I can assure you that there was no man. I was pretty shaken up about that, as you can imagine. And as the paramedics came and put me in the ambulance, I insisted that I wanted to thank the kind stranger who asked me, who risked his life to save my mine. I think they just thought I was so hysterical from the trauma, maybe, of the accident. But a few days later, I was hobbling on crutches with a bad sprain. 
My ankle was not broken, and somehow, even with all the glass from the windshield that had splintered around me, I only had just superficial cuts just on my hands and neck. I had a couple of nicks, a black eye from the impact of the airbags. But all in all, I was pretty good. I was in pretty good shape. I mean, considering the magnitude of the accident, the Suburban that hit my little car was speeding at 80 miles per hour, according to the police. I had to go to the junkyard to more or less identify my car and retrieve whatever items that I could salvage from the wreck. Of course, the car was totaled. When I saw the extent of the damage, my knees got weak. I could not believe I survived that crash. I looked inside I looked inside the burnt shell of the car and I spotted my purse on the floor. Damaged but salvageable. I took with me and rifled through it inside the charred remains of my purse was a silver Celtic cross that I had never seen before in my life. Not only that, but it was a crucifix. Normally Celtic crosses do not have the body of Christ on them. There was a little heart dangling from it with the mother of God imprinted on me it also said Aaron on the back, which means Ireland. Now, I'm not Irish, but all of the music, I love singing Irish music, and it rates at the top for me. I don't know how that cross got in my purse. And I don't know who that rescuer were, was, but I keep the cross with me at all times as a reminder that I was protected and blessed many times that fateful day. Rita, Rhea Cantrelli. Rita Cantrelli wrote that story. Another kind of cool story um, about that woman being pulled out of the wreckage and, and being saved 
is unbelievable. It's, um, it's a miracle. Just like my friend Rosie, you guys probably know people who are miracles in your life, but it's true. She's a walking, talking, breathing miracle. God bless her. And that's, you know, the most important thing that I want to leave here with you guys is that there is always hope that God can change the impossible possible. If you believe that every day and you live that every day, bless them, change me. Is what I say, remember. Bless them, change me. I hope you guys have a beautiful, beautiful Friday evening. I hope you guys have um, an amazing weekend. And you rest and get some relaxation in. And um, share the love, guys. Let's share the love, okay? Let's share it and continue to be good people in this world. Because we never know when that good Samaritan could come to rescue us one day. But I have enjoyed my time with you guys tonight so much. I have enjoyed sharing those two stories and the magnitude of the first story and the magnitude of the second story too. Both very powerful, powerful stories in different ways. But with that, guys, I'd like to say good night. Have a beautiful weekend again. You're listening to Faith Ignited on Palma One Radio. And now on our new channel, Palma Talk. Yay, Palma Talk. Clapping, clapping, clapping. 2 a.m., 10 a.m., 6 p.m., Wednesday through Saturday on Palma Talk. You can catch my old episodes of Faith Ignited. And uh, it's pretty amazing stuff. So we want to wish Palma love and success and good vibes and good energy. And we know that uh, Sylvia is doing a great job over there and Nelson uh, thank you for the opportunity, and God bless everyone, and have a uh, beautiful rest of your week, and into the weekend, and into next week. Beijing, you, bye-bye.